if people were to run into me on the streets, you know, and recognize my face from my stories from me making dinner after work, um, you know, I feel like you want to be approachable and just, again, show people that it's not that hard. You know, I'm not I'm not a special person to be able to make all this food. It's very simple, you know, so I think just to kind of be authentic and prove to people it's not hard. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Jordan Anderson, and welcome to another episode. On this episode, we've got Blair from the food account, Miss Finger Foodie. So Blair is a DC food blogger, and on this episode, we kind of talk about her process, how she develops recipes, how she finds recipes, how she finds great food around town, around DC. Towards the end of the episode, we kind of nerd out about food photography and some of the tricks and hacks that she has uh, to make the food just look amazing. Let's get started. Okay, so we have Blair here from the account Miss Finger Foodie. Blair, thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. And I do apologize in advance for my hoarse voice. I'm coming off of my cousin's wedding last night, so I don't normally sound like this. So okay. we've got, just a little FYI. We've got water on standby. Yeah. Um, okay, so if like you want to give us like a five-minute quick intro, who you are, what you're about, what you're sure. up to. Okay, so my name is Blair. Um I am originally from New Jersey, and when I graduated Virginia Tech, um, I started out in public accounting. So I was commuting to and from home like two hours one way on a train, which could be draining. And that was, you know, obviously not the best way to use my time post college, you know. So I wanted to find certain um, things that I enjoyed, whether it be cooking and something. So, so you ride the train two hours one way. Every, yeah, so I rode the so I'm riding the train two hours one way, and like instead of being on social media all the time, whether it just be like Facebook and constantly scrolling, um, I found myself constantly scrolling through Pinterest, um, and this kind of dated back to college as well. Like I remember sitting in my audit class. Um, I'm an accountant, by the way, so audit and tax classes were not the most exciting things in college. Um, and like, I can re- literally remember sitting in an audit class, um, like rearranging my Pinterest boards, like having a category for cookies and another one for breads and, um, donuts and that kind of stuff. So I've always kind of had an interest in just like the cooking in general. And, you know, I can remember as a kid, my dad making fun of me of like, why are you watching the food network and be like a normal kid and watch cartoons, you know, where I'm like, I'm obsessing over Ina Garten and, you know, instead of watching the newest Disney channel movie. Um, so I've always had like a passion and liking for cooking and stuff. Um, and I felt like as I was, you know, thrown into the workforce and stuff, um, when it came time to take break, like mental breaks from work, you know, I have my head buried in Excel spreadsheets all day. Um, so I found myself like always like returning back to just like scrolling through Pinterest and stuff because that's like what excited me. You know, you can, I feel like nowadays you can scroll through Instagram and not be inspired and stuff. And I feel like sometimes I wasn't that inspired by Instagram. Um, so Pinterest for me was like the starting point of, wow, like, you know, I would always, flag recipes I wanted to be using or, you know, something I wanted to try out and just kind of like always have like a a recipe to do list. Like, you know, I've always wanted to make my own bread. I've always wanted to, um, you know, make a full dinner just that, you know, you can host a host a dinner with friends and that kind of stuff. So I feel like having Pinterest there kind of as like a mental escape for me was one of my first inklings of thinking that maybe this is something I could do eventually. Unfortunately, when I was in accounting and public accounting, like I didn't have the time, you know, I'm working during our busy season. We were there until, I don't know, like 10 or 11 at night, getting up and doing the same thing over the next morning. So like, I just don't have, I didn't have the time to put my name on something, but as I'm, you know, pinning all these recipes and kind of coming up with my own list of stuff, um, I'm like, you know, like why, like I can, I can do that, you know, just, and I feel like I've had for so long, so many recipes that I've, I had shared, whether it was in college, you know, um, I remember, uh, fraternity I hung out with, they would have these, uh, like a dip competition after Thanksgiving, like all the guys would come back from school or back to school with all the deer that they'd hunted over Thanksgiving break. And they'd cook all the meat and the girls would show up with like different dips. So like, I um, would always bring my classic pepperoni pizza dip, which I still have to add to the blog, by the way. Um, but I would always bring that and 
two years in a row, it won. And they're like, all right, like this is bullshit. Like you got you to gotta bring a new <laughs> recipe because this is winning and beating everyone else out. But, you know, I liked, obviously I'm a competitive person at nature, but at the heart of it, you know, just being able to kind of as corny as it sounds like bring people together, like over food, like that's always been like my number one thing. Oh, like, yeah, for sure. Um, so, so yeah, so, you know, I kind of have like an arsenal of recipes that I'd always wanted to share. Um, and when I moved to DC, um, this was like two and a half years ago. Um, I, again, was still in public accounting and it was just almost like one of those things that like, as soon as I quit public, I, and like went more on private side and I could actually have a life outside of work. Um, I kind of made it like my, um, New Year's Eve, New Year's resolution that I would start a food blog. I, uh, quit my job and then just kind of on a whim decided I was laying in bed one night, just kind of coming up with like a name, you know, and we, this is, we can kind of go into, like the branding of Miss Finger Foodie, as that sounds. Um, but I wanted to choose an Instagram name that wouldn't kind of keep me in one lane because I do like a lot of things, you know, whether it's baking or making dinners or really quick, easy lunches, or I don't know, I have a sangria recipe on my blog now too. So it's like, I feel like I want to kind of be a one-stop shop for like all the things and just kind of be something that anyone can look to, whether it's a you know, you want to make a healthy meal with minimal ingredients under 20 minutes or, you know, kind of use, um, use your Saturday morning making a really good like banana bread recipe. So some, it's, I feel like something for everybody. So I didn't want to be like, you know, Blair's, Blair's baked goods or, you know, my mom always jokes. She's like, if you own a bakery one day, like we should call it Blair's buns, just like laughing. And I'm like, that would, you know, so if, if, you know, if I went with Blair's buns, that would kind of keep me in the lane of baking, you know, mm -hmm. and it just, so I kind of wanted to make it something a little more brandable, if that makes sense. Yeah. You didn't want to pitch yourself into a corner, be the vegan baker. Right. The, yeah. Like. Cause I feel like I, as a lot of people can see nowadays, like trends come and go, like you could be the keto, like keto queen or, you know, the, um, whole 30, whatever, you know, but I feel like at the root, you know, I, have taken whole 30 components and stuff um, and thrown that into some of my dishes. And what that means is just kind of like, you know, taking simple ingredients, no, pro nothing processed. Um, and I kind of use those mentalities and that like method of cooking in some of my recipes. But again, I didn't want to pigeonhole myself and just like keep in just one lane of a category. So we've got a lot of paths we can go down. Let's start with, uh, your process with recipes on your blog. Mm -hmm. So are you, is it some of like, you're finding inspiration elsewhere? Are you like testing your own recipes? Is it a blend of both? Um, I think so, it's a blend of both sometimes because, you know, um, I live right near one of the most, like the best, I think, farmer's market in DC, DuPont farmer's market. It's open year round. Um, so sometimes, you know, if you go there on a Sunday and you pull inspiration, like, hey, this Swiss chard looks really good. You know, there was um, one time I grabbed that and I feel like I'm pretty good at challenging myself in terms of, you know, picking new ingredients to just play with. You know, obviously sometimes it's going to be a bust, but um, I feel like with me trying to make make something and, you know, find inspiration from Pinterest. So the one day that I grabbed the Swiss chard, um, I kind of went on to Pinterest just typed in Swiss chard recipes and I found it a lot of um, like soup recipes were coming up. Um, so I made one with chickpea pasta and all the bunch of veggies and stuff. And it actually turned out really good. So it's one of those things where, you know, you kind of sometimes start with one ingredient and then either you go to Pinterest or um, whether you're at a restaurant and you're like, Hey, this meal was like a killer meal. Like, let me see if I can try to recreate that at home and just make cooking approachable for people that it's like, hey, you had this killer meal at this restaurant, but if you go home, um, you know, chefs at restaurants can pull from the same ingredients that you can. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I would say 90% of the ingredients, you know, if you go to Whole Foods, it's going to be there. Yeah. Um, and you're like, you could even like, you're saying you build recipes around just a single ingredient. Sometimes. Right. Like, yeah. I want to do Swiss chard or I want right. to do chicken. I want to do. Yeah. You know. So you can, you know, whether it's ba um, basing a recipe off a single ingredient and going kind of running with it and going from there um, or, you know, just 
scrolling through um, certain Instagram feeds. Like I feel like I get a lot of my inspiration from Define Dish. Um, she is a whole 30 blog and she just finds like very good ways to elevate a dish and like add flavor. And I think when people hear, hear whole 30, they think like, Oh, like I'm going to be stuck eating chicken and green beans and just like flavorless bland food for 30 days. But that's not the case, you know? So I think using other blogs as inspiration and seeing what ingredients are using. So, you know, instead of cream, I've seen her use um, coconut milk or coconut cream or, you know, instead of soy sauce um, using um, coconut aminos, you know, so there's different ingredients that you can use and it's kind of been fun, you know, building up my pantry and building up, you know, your, your staples that you grab at the grocery store. Um, So I think it's, it, it, in terms of recipe development, I think it comes from either single ingredients and just building off that or, you know, um, restaurants, whether you're coming home and being like, I want to recreate this meal in like a simple way or just other blogs. So I feel like it's, there's three different paths that you can kind of really go to. Have you ever asked a chef for the recipe at the restaurant? Um, you should give that a try one time. I should. Like, this is really good. Can I like get the recipe and just like, honestly, I should. The worst I can say is no. Yeah. Like they're coming like, yeah, sure. Okay. I want to ask about, cause we probably need to back up just a little bit. Yeah. What is whole 30 and how is it different than say, being vegetarian or vegan or paleo diet? Like what is so... So Whole30 is, if people are familiar with paleo, it's paleo is, you know, taking what the quote unquote cavemen used to eat and just kind of starting Mm -hmm. out at a base of seeds, grain or seeds, um, like meats and veggies, you know? So the one thing that differs fruit as well. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. But so just stuff that kind of comes from the earth, you know, just nothing processed or nothing that you can, you know, it comes in its original form, if that makes sense. So so milk, but not cheese or like, what about milk? No, no dairy. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and that's paleo. Yeah. Okay. And then whole 30 kind of takes it a next step of doing, um, cutting, it cuts out legumes. So you can't have, um, like any beans or any of that. So it's just more of like a strict paleo. Okay. If that makes sense. No beans, no soy, Mm -hmm. no, uh, no wheat, corn, anything like that. So there's certain things that, yeah, there's certain things that would be considered paleo that aren't considered, um, whole 30, like edamame, if that makes sense. Like, like I'm obsessed with edamame pasta. If, Explore Cuisine um, is my favorite brand for that. And if you haven't tried it yet, their edamame pasta is killer. And it's has almost double the fiber and really great protein content. So, yeah, try that with, like, some marinara sauce and you got yourself a good good meal. Nice. What about uh, – because my wife is on Whole30 and mm-hmm. she's almost done with it. So, by proxy, that makes me on Whole30. <laughs> um she talks about that you can't have even uh, what I would call like analog food. Right. So food that lo- food that is technically inside the diet, the ingredients are good. Right. But it looks like something else. Right. So um, what's a good example? So like, like there's- a, Like a cupcake or pasta. Right. That all the ingredients fall in there. Um, and, you know, there's, there, like, there's a brand of uh, tortilla chips that I love, Siete chips. Those chips, if you look at the ingredients, they fall under the category, you know, they're fried, I believe, in like coconut oil or just, um, and, but I think it's more so not about replacing like your favorite foods and being like, oh, how can I find like a healthy way to eat it? It's more just like, you know, getting down to simple. I mean, what about, cause you're trying to like, there's also the macro side, you're trying to like balance your fats and proteins and carbs, but you know, you're not... I feel like with your carbs, you so you can't have rice, you can't have bread, mm-hmm. so you make that up with your vegetables and your fruits. Right. Yeah, and then you get your protein, obviously for meat, not dairy. Yeah, and then your fats are coming from coconuts, mm-hmm. coconut oil. Yeah, I feel like you see a lot of oil. coconut products with Whole Thirty, just like because, mm-hmm. like I was saying before, instead of using you know heavy cream in a pasta sauce, um, you could use coconut cream. So do you understand like, cause I, there's some things my wife will tell me about the whole 30. I'm like, I just like, I don't quite understand or like, mm-hmm. what's the science behind this? Or like, is there, or it's like, um, or it's like, it's more about just 
finding because it's all she always tells me it's always about finding the foods that make you feel good, right? That don't upset your stomach, that don't upset everything else. So I think people who do it originally, so like I did it for like two weeks just to you know honestly I use that as inspiration to create recipes to get new ingredients to kind of play with essentially. Um, and with that two with those two weeks, I feel like I was more mindful on um, what ingredients I was like putting into my diet and just, you know, I feel like you don't realize what, um, or like where you can find all this like added sugar into different ingredients. So like, for example, um, like pasta sauce, for example, if you have, um, if you look at the label, I would say like 90% of the ones that you find in a grocery store have sugar added to it. So it's about like, you know, finding the, it's like essentially back to the basics. Whole ingredients. Yeah. Yep. That makes sense. Yeah, because there's like, I always tell this about people, you know, they, they talk about like, vegans are crazy. How can they do, like, how can you eat like a vegan? But it's like, there are bad vegans out there. Right. Like, you can eat french fries and potato right. chips. exactly. Totally vegan. Like, yeah, so I think, um, backing up too, I think some people do Whole30 to try to see what in their diet is like a trigger for them, you know? So after the 30 days, there's this reintroduction, and I honestly can't speak much to it because I've never done it, but like, if you start adding dairy back slowly or you start adding back things you quote unquote weren't allowed, I think that could raise some red flags or raise a, like an alarm of like, this is what initially was bothering me. So I think there's people out there doing it for different reasons. I more so was looking to cook with simpler ingredients and be a little more mindful about the ingredients that I was like actually consuming. Cause I personally don't think I have issues with dairy or issues with wheat or whatever. So, um, yeah, I, I was more in it for the basic cooking mind mindset of it. Yeah. What initially got you into that? What got you into like eating healthy? Were you, did you eat healthy as a kid? Um, absolutely not. (laughs) Like, oh my gosh. Like, um, I was the standard pizza, chicken nugget, bagel pasta kid. And, um, when I was, I think I was 15, 16, um, I started working at a snack bar on the beach and the women who kind of ran it, they were very into us, you know, trying all of the different, um, specials that they had for the day. And, um, I think by doing that constantly, just like being offered like all these things be like, Oh, like you have to try this or just being a little more open to it, you know? Um, like I probably think like the first time I had a salad, I was like 13. Like I was very against just like, I just didn't have a good palate. Like I just didn't appreciate good food. And now I look back, I'm like, Christ, like I was missing out on so much good stuff. Like yeah, fresh ingredients. Yeah. I was the same way. Yeah. Like it's just crazy how your, I don't know if your taste buds just changed, but mine took a full like 360 turn, just like, Mm. you know, from then to now. Um, so you're like early high school that you really start to like introduce more yeah fresher ingredients yeah i would say um and it's not like you know i it wasn't like i was taking control of the cooking at home or you know i'm every now and then i would be help out my mom in the kitchen and stuff but um i think it was towards college that i started to since i was on my own cooking um i felt like i started to appreciate you know more of that aspect of it because i've always enjoyed baking um baking and cooking are I feel like two completely different passions of mine now. Baking was always number one. And I feel like as I become older, cooking has become number two. Um, but when I was at Virginia Tech, um, obviously we have like a very, or I shouldn't say obviously, but if you don't know, the Virginia Tech's dining is absolutely absurd. absurd. Like I had trout. I had, you know, you can get lobsters, you can get London broil, anything that you want, like Virginia Tech had it. Um, so I didn't do as much cooking as a standard college student because I was on a meal plan through senior year, which is, I feel like unheard of to, um, any college student. Um, but with that, I feel like there were certain times when I was forced to cook for myself when, you know, if I didn't have class at one day, I didn't want to have to go to campus to go get lunch. Um, I feel like I was more, I was better about cooking on my own and cooking meals and stuff. Um, and then I feel like once I moved out of my house post-college, um, and then pre-DC, like, so when I was moving into DC and, um, I was starting to make my lunches and dinners and that kind of stuff. And I was 
you know, not under mom's wing anymore and having had dinner on the table ready for me when I got home, um, I started realizing how much money people spend out to eat. Like it was, it was just absurd that, you know, my team would go to lunch every single day and sit in the food court. And to me, I'm like, okay, well, if I'm going grocery shopping for 40 bucks a week and I can feed myself breakfast, lunch, and dinner, um, and I have teammates who I'm working with that are like blowing through $12 a meal just for lunch, you know? So I, I feel like I started to get smart about, you know, what, what I was buying and, um, just, I feel like when you're sitting in a desk all day, you want to start to eat a little healthier. Um, so I feel like that push definitely came in, but I mean, don't get me wrong. I still love chicken fingers and fries and pizza and all that good stuff. So, um, I think it's just all about balance for me. Okay. What about, uh, talk about a recipe that we could talk about your favorite recipe, Okay, but I feel like that's boring. Let's talk yeah. about like a recipe that's like you found it either online or you got inspired by it and you're like, I'm going to do this. Um, talk about one that was really difficult. I just like, you just could not make it work or like, um, okay. So I wanted to, like I said, I wanted to kind of have something on my blog for everybody, whether it's you're doing whole 30 or, you know, you're wanting to make a dinner for your boyfriend or, um, you want to bring a dessert to some, like a gathering. Um, so I wanted to make a, um, I was inspired by, there's this bakery in DC called 350 and it's on 17th street. I believe it's so good. If you haven't been great coffee, great dessert, just like good quality pastries and baked goods and stuff. Um, I'd stopped there on my way home from work and just on a whim, um, their vegan apple loaf looked so good. And I never baked anything vegan because with vegan baked goods, obviously there's no, there's no eggs. You can't add eggs into it. Um, so, I kind of, I went home and tried to bake one myself, completely flumped the first time just because I didn't understand how to substitute eggs in a baked good. Yeah. Cause there's a little chemistry that you're not that yeah. in there. Yeah. So I'm by no means a chemist. I'm more so of like a, uh, trial and error type girl. So, um, it took probably three times for me to get it right. Um, just to figure out the substitutes of what I can add in to like substitute for the egg. Um, so what, what a lot of people do is substitute um, for flax eggs. So what you do is you take flax meal or flax seed and you, um, I forget, honestly off the top of my head, I forget the ratios. Maybe it's like three tablespoons of flax meal to a tablespoon of water. And you just like let it sit and it just becomes this like gelatin that you use oh. that in place of an egg. Okay. So there's some recipes that, you know, you mm. can substitute a flax egg for. Um, and this was one that I was like just trying and, and trying. It, and it held up. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So it's uh, my vegan olive oil apple loaf that I have on the blog. And my favorite way to make it now um, is putting it into mini muffins. And, you know, it's something that is one of those recipes that you can bring and, tell people it's vegan after they eat it because I feel like sometimes people don't my dad especially you don't tell him up front like oh this is dairy free or this is gluten free like he wants the real deal like the man slathers butter on absolutely everything like he loves his chocolate chip cookies like you don't tell him that his real things have been taken away from him so like to me this recipe it definitely upholds a good palate of just like it's it's a good baked good but um, I feel like it's, it's kind of fun to fool people that's like, Oh, like, by the way, that was vegan, you know? Cause I feel like people just have a stigma of like labels of, Oh, oh that's not going to be good. Or yeah, like, Oh, it's got beans in it. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. And kale. Yeah, yeah. Like I've tried to sneak like, um, chickpea pasta to him and like told him after the fact. And mm-hmm. then he, honestly, he was like, you know, it's, it wasn't that good. It's like, well, you're just saying that now because I told you it was chickpeas. Like yep. now you're just pissed. Like, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about the community aspect of all this. Mm -hmm. Because you said you want to bring people together with food. Yeah. And I think your blog has definitely done that. Yeah. Like you have people that go onto the blog, they find recipes. What's like the, what's the feedback you're getting from your followers, your audience? um, I honestly find that I get the biggest or the most feedback when I kind of include everybody in me making a dish. So it's one thing to type up a blog post and put your recipe online and like hope that people print it out and make it. But like 
to me, I'm just a visual learner. So I'm kind of grabbing onto those visual learners out there um, with me recording me making a dish on my stories. And then I'll save those down as a highlight for people to refer back to, um, to when they like want to make the dish. It's super so, simple. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. a very simple thing that I've gotten such positive feedback about that people mm-hmm. are like, wow, like this is great that I can, you know, a refer back to it and B show me that it's really not that hard to make this dish. You know, I have mm-hmm. this one, one of my go-tos, um, during the week, it takes like 15, 20 minutes. Um, it's an apple, um, or sauteed apple and pork chop recipe with, you can either do bok choy or sauteed kale on the side. So okay. uh, if you were to just print it out, it seems with you look like it looks intimidating. Just, you know, you read through all the steps and it's just, it, it doesn't, I feel like to me, just reading through recipes and even cookbooks and stuff, it's hard for me to picture something. But when I go and you're like, okay, guys, like I'm going to um, make this recipe and like this is how I'm doing it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, this is um, showing them visually how thick the pork chop should be when they pound it down. Or, you know, at what point do they put the, uh, the, the apples in to saute or what color they're looking for? Just simple things like steps along the way. Yep. I feel like have helped so much and it never gets old. Someone tagging me in a recipe that has worked for them that they're like, Oh my God, this is so good. Like refer back to Miss Finger Foodie for this recipe. And that seriously, I don't think that will ever get old. And have you had, are there any stories where you've had like people come to you with like health concerns or like you've changed my life or like you have any of those kind of stories? Um, not necessarily changed my life, but, um, I think, just showing people that it's not that hard. You know, yeah. I, I've had multiple multiple people come up to or respond in DMs or even in person being like, wow, like I get sauteed scallops all the time at restaurants, but I've been so afraid to try them at home, like at home by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so honestly, like, thank you for showing me that it's that easy. So for me, it's almost like, you know, giving people the confidence to go home and try something and, you know, pick out that weird ingredient that, you had no idea what the hell it was at the grocery store, but you know, there was mm-hmm. one time I made um, mashed yuca and yuca is it's just, it, it's like a long like root. Like it literally looks like it's a tree. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, a, oh yeah. That's a weird. Yeah. So like I've had yuca before, but like I've never seen it or like I've had yuca fries or um, even yuca mash. Uh, but you know, that was an example where I went to the store and I had to ask the guy like, Hey, what, where can I find yuca? Like I didn't even know it was pronouncing it right. You know, mm-hmm. just because, um, I've never cooked with it before. So I kind of took my followers through me making yuca mash, you know, and it was just crazy people commenting me like, Oh my God, like, like, what is that? You know, just, yeah. I've never, I've seen that before, but I've never known what it was like, you know, it honestly, thanks for showing me how to cook it. You know, just, I feel like at the end of the day, kind of showing people it's not that hard. Yeah, you're like kind of taking the risk for people. Yeah, like, like kind of like I've been so afraid to buy star fruit at the grocery store. Right, no idea what that was. Yeah, and now I bought. Like, yeah, now watching your stuff like has kind of like okay. Yeah, and like I, I it. and it's not like I hop on there and I sometimes I just wing it. You know, it's not like I'm cooking it perfectly every single time, mm-hmm. and I think that kind of humanizes me as well. That it's like, it's not like I'm just po- posting all these like amazing recipes. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. yeah. No, there was one time where, um, I was making a, um, a scallop, like a summer scallop salad and that recipe has been posted officially. So it's, it's perfected. But when I was testing it, I do, I was just testing it live and I started, um, using, I was using these frozen base scallops from Trader Joe's. They were like $9. They're very good price. Um, and, I made the mistake of overcrowding the pan. So with that, you don't get the nice golden cr- like crust on a, on a scallop that you want. You know, um, I think first and foremost, people eat with their eyes too. So to me, not having that golden crust and like the color, like pissed me off at first. I'm like, okay, like I need to make this better. So I took it off the stove and then started, um, I seared them in smaller batches and that helped remove some of the liquid from the big batch. And like it worked, you know, like, so just kind of showing people on the fly, like, okay, this is what happened. Like, this is how you fix it. Um, just with like simple little tricks along the way. Um, I think it's, it's, it's like fun for me to walk people through it, I think. And again, showing them like little tricks along the way. Yeah. Cause you're like, as you do this, you're kind of learning 
it's almost like you're like you're building your food cooking vocabulary. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Like a little database in your mind. Yeah. Like, I know I can mix this with this and it will make this, right. this taste like that. Yeah. Like, and I know I 1000% misuse the term sometimes of like, okay, what's the difference between like broiled, baked, seared, you know, or when mm-hmm. I'm talking about my utensils or pans and stuff, sometimes I'd call something a pot and it's just like, I'm not perfect, you know? Yeah. So. Um, sauce, I think it's just sauce pan. Yeah. Versus, yeah. yeah. Like water, frying, whatever. frying pan, saute pan. Like, I don't know what the difference is. Um, but yeah, I just think it's, it's fun again, just simplifying it and mm-hmm. essentially showing people that, Hey, like I literally just came home from work. I have these six ingredients. I'm going to make dinner and this is how I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's kind of fun showing people even, you know, how to turn, um, leftovers into something new. Um, one of my go-tos, uh, my roommate actually taught me this, but if you have like any leftover Chipotle, which I know it sounds weird to have any leftover Chipotle, cause, yeah. but if you do Crazy. have leftover Chipotle, you know, if you get a, uh, someone who was really heavy handed with the rice and the chicken and all the goods, um, one thing that she taught me was if you take all those contents, you throw it in a frying pan or saute pan. Like I said, I don't, I, maybe they're the same. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but if you throw them in a saute pan and you add some soy sauce and an egg, you basically have like a really good fried rice situation going on. Yeah, right. It's okay. so good. Yeah. Um, so again, like just being like, Hey guys, I, it was Sunday last night. I went and got Chipotle and it's Monday and I don't feel like cooking anything. Like here's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I think like getting people to get their creative juices flowing and, um, yeah, it's been, it's been fun. And do you use that voice with like your Instagram audience? Like, I'm not saying like your tone of voice, like how, like you're almost like you're talking to your best friend. Yeah. Like it's very, it's not formal at all. Oh, no. It's just like very casual. Like, yeah. Hey, what's up? Welcome. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's kind of, it's funny because I was so nervous for so long to put, my phone like front facing yeah. yeah so I was like everyone is scared to do that the, right the yeah selfie but it, video. it took me like my friend Taylor um she her account set is at Roots for Boot um I was having dinner or was, we were out to brunch and she was like girl you just gotta go for it like who cares you know and it's um it's just kind of it's fun putting yourself out there and if people don't like it unfollow me you know and it's just yep. one of those things like I'm having fun getting to know people and it sounds silly but there's people that I look forward to their posts all the time. And I'm hoping that people are looking forward to mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, I feel like putting a face behind the account is, I think it's been beneficial just because people can mm-hmm. put a face to an account. It's simple as that sounds. Can you talk a little bit about, okay, let's move into a really big topic and yeah. we might hang out in here for a while. Yeah. The, Instagram strategy, brand uh-huh. strategy, website strategy. How does yeah. that like? Because we already talked about like how you kind of structure the name. Uh huh. How do you like? How have you set up this ecosystem? Where so it's, it's sometimes it's a game of just throwing like stuff at a wall and seeing what sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think first and foremost, it starts with um like good content and just good photos. Okay. Um, and I get asked sometimes how I edit my photos because. I don't use a special camera. I just use my iPhone. Um, And one of the apps that I use is called Snapseed. And there's so many little adjustments that you can do in a photo. I stand by that app 100%. Thank you. It's so good. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, it means a lot coming from you. little green leaf, folks. Yeah. It's made by Google. Yeah. It's actually incredible. And um, I'm going to just talk about like two quick things that I do. Um, so when I open up the photo, let's see, or maybe, the, maybe we should back up. How are you taking the photos? Are you lighting it? Are you, um, okay. So since I do take most of my photos after work, mm-hmm. um, I have an artificial light. It's, um, and maybe you might be able to help me out with this. A Lowell EGO. Is that right? Okay. Oh, okay. You know what I'm talking about? Is it? <laughs> I'm a, not a photographer. I don't know. No, that's no, fine. Is it like a warm light or is it a cool light? It's a, it's like a white light. It just. It okay. makes everything because my apartment is very like yellow lit. Okay. Um. So it just kind of ma- it so just like brings a, white light. Okay. It's like tungsten light, not not sunlight mimic. Right. Okay. So a ton- yeah. yeah, a lull. That's a. I think that's like a big. So it's like a big area light. Sort yeah, of. Yeah. Exactly. Just enough to give you. It's like a box. Like it just. It, oh. Okay. Yeah. Um. And so that just gives 
the just nice even light on on, yeah, the, on a it, dish. It it kind of like fools people to think that like that picture was taken during the day. If that makes sense, um, because like I said, a lot of my photos are taken after work. Or, mm-hmm. You know, I'm not coming home during my lunch break and taking food photos. Like nothing wrong with um, that. Yeah, so I. Sometimes like I set it up on my floor or mm-hmm. set it up on a stool or it's just something that, you know, looks good. Um, sometimes I, I've actually recently invested in some, um, food, pho- like food photo backdrops, oh, okay. you know, whether it's subway tiles or, um, you know, the fake, fake wood, the fake wood and the fake marble and that yep. kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. ink and elm. They're on Etsy and they're so good. I wish I had more money to <laughs> invest in all of them. Is it like a piece of plastic that you get or is it's, it a um, vinyl? It's or? a vinyl. Okay. So for food photography, it's great because, you know, if you're wanting to get creative and like put splatters on it and, you know, drip chocolate and all that stuff, like mm-hmm. it's very easy to like wipe away clean. Nice. Um, so yeah, so Ink and Elm um, backdrops are amazing. Okay. And um, they have deals all, all the time. Like I think I got, it was like buy three, get one free or just something really, like something really, really good. Nice. Um, so yeah, so I use that light on those backdrops on my floor, nothing fancy. Mm-hmm. And I live in a studio apartment. It's not like I have like a room dedicated to all this. It's like anywhere where I can find space. Yeah. Um, and you're plating it. Are you, have you, do you like, have you gotten better at plating things? Are you choosing the plate? Yeah. Like so, um, I recently started, um, it's called photography school. Um, Sarah at Broma Bakery, she started it. Mm-hmm. Um, her photos are like, are absolutely amazing. Um, okay. and so I initially purchased the, uh, photography school before she came out with her eye, like eye school. So mm-hmm. I was like kind of using like her photography school for, and like transferring that into my iPhone and just about like composition and, you know, the rule of thirds and having, you know, mm-hmm. how to lay out something because, you know, sometimes I feel like you scroll through your feeds and you're like, how, like, I want my foot, like, I know my eyes like that, but how do I get it to be like that? You're yeah. Like, the why behind right, like, it. Why do my eyes like that? Or yep. why are my eyes going toward this piece of the photo? Like, mm-hmm. how do I the get flow of a piece, right? Yeah. And like, how do I keep you, get people to focus on the quote unquote subject of your photo? Mm-hmm. Um, so I've used tips from that to kind of help like compose photos and stuff. Um, which is, it's just been fun to kind of get a new hobby of food photography. Um, cause I feel like that's something that, you know, that's never going away. Um, people yeah. are always, you know, whether it's restaurant ads or, you know, just, I mean, that's your whole world, right? Just like yeah. photos for yourself. Like it's just, it's fun for yeah. me to see if you scroll back to like one of my first photos, I'm like embarrassed, but sometimes it's fun to see the progression of, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's just me learning how to edit better or me learning how to compose a dish better or just, you know, making it look prettier. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, so the light and kind of going back to the light, if someone doesn't, if someone wants to take a good food photo and doesn't have like a, a fake like light or a box like I do, um, before I got the light, I would open up my refrigerator door and your fridge no has shit. the best lighting. So I would set my dish in front of my fridge with the fridge open and take my photos. And the lighting is perfect. Like, no, okay. yeah, that's awesome. So good tips. You don't have to buy anything. Just use like, your fridge. I was like, she would say like, oh yeah, put it by the window. <laughs> no, or like, open up your fridge door. And I mean, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So, all right. Um, yeah. So using like kind of like all of those factors, um, just like okay, kind of. And honestly, I feel like sometimes I wing it, you know if you scroll, like look at my camera roll, there's probably every time I take a, like for one photo, there's probably 20 that look absolutely terrible. But, mm-hmm. and I feel like I'm still learning it, like how to take the good photo. Cause right now I'm just like taking them and hoping that I got one good one. Yeah. Like what you don't quite know what, how to manipulate what you want. Right. And you're like, you know, yeah. So that's still a, a work in progress. But. Yeah. But, but yeah, we'll see. It's fine. Okay, so then you go into Snapseed. Yeah, so then, then I go into Snapseed. What are you doing there? Um, one of my first things I do is I I kind of like my pictures a little cooler, like, mm-hmm. um, which means just kind of taking like the the reddish tones out of them. A little more blue, a little less yellow. Yeah. Um, although if you look at it's kind of confusing though because if you look at my feed, a lot of my feed is like oranges and stuff. Like mm-hmm. I photograph a lot of brown food and you know orange and reds and that kind of stuff but um i personally like the cooler tones um so i take the white balance down 
um, to decrease the temperature in the food. And okay. then I will increase the detail. Like if you will go into your tools section, there's a details thing and you literally just drag your finger from left to right to like increase the details on it. And I recently discovered the selective tool, which you, yes, that's like, it's the tool. Uh, like I'm pissed. I just learned about this it is and I actually learned it from, from a bakery. She was doing like a free iPhone thing, like a mm -hmm. quick, like here, I'm taking this photo. Like, like, like let's walk through how I edit it. Um, so the selective tool is great because you basically, instead of bringing up the brightness or the structure or saturation of the color mm -hmm. um, in a photo of like the entire photo, um, you can like select a certain area. So like, if you have like mm -hmm. a dish like with cherry tomatoes on it that you want to just like brighten up just the cherry tomatoes, you can like select the selective tool on that. And it's great because you can kind of like manipulate it. Um, it's, it's almost like cheating. Yeah. yeah. So um, Or like what was a dark shadowy photo? just is now a bright white right. white clean yeah yeah like it's perfect i honestly want to start doing like a before and after series on my phone just to i mean that has been trendy have you seen that's been coming up a lot with uh lifestyle bloggers or fashion yeah. bloggers they'll do the perfect photo and then you swipe over to the right and it's like the behind the scenes right and it's like it sometimes looks like garbage yeah like, no it's oh, crazy whoa. to it's see like, like how, what you can take which i think um goes into how important composition and that stuff mm -hmm. is of just like knowing how to lay out a, a dish, knowing that you can go in and edit it and make those tweaks and stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, I think one of the things Sarah says in her class is like, you know, it's, it's 51% of the photo taking and then like 49% editing, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? So you go back and it's crazy what you can just do in an app. Um, I definitely want to get into more like Lightroom stuff and eventually invest in a DSLR. But like for mm -hmm. right now, my iPhone is fine. <laughs> I think your iPhone is fine. So, <laughs> so like this photo here on the cookie cooling rack, is that? Yes. So that's your setup? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, the cookie cooling rack on the white chocolate macadamia nut cookies. Um, so like on the bottom, I have just like the fake marble vinyl. Mm -hmm. And then I lay my cookie rack, cook, um, the cooling rack down and... I think that one I used my fridge light. <laughs> yeah, it looks like. And then there's some where you have like you're by the window. Right. Which is a natural go-to. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, but yeah, I think I kind of want to do a before and after just of like editing alone, you know. Because um, I, I think. I think it'd be hilarious. Just like you see like your fridge door open and just like. Oh, yeah. yeah like like half, behind the scenes. Half empty ketchup <laughs> bottles sticking yeah. in. Yeah. Oh, that'd be perfect. Yeah. I should probably clean my fridge first before we do that. Or that would just add to the whole behind the like, scenes. Like that's just the comedy there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that would also kind of just like bring it to light that it, you know, you don't have to have these perfectly plated meals all mm -hmm. the time. And it's, you know, I think that's something that people get intimidated by when they see food photos on Instagram. They're like, oh, like, well, it's beautiful. I'm not going to make that. Yeah. You know, so I think. Some of it is. Right. But like, not, it's like not all of it. Right. And I think for the people that I'm trying to reach in terms of, again, simplifying cooking, um, mm -hmm. I think before and after is like be a good way to go. <laughs> yeah. That'd be great. Uh, so then it goes straight to Instagram or, or like, what's your process with collecting content do you backlog content do you so um i let's see i feel like recently with me starting to delve into like the dc restaurant scene i definitely have mm -hmm. a lot of backlogged content um whereas when i first started um with just recipes like i wouldn't even post anything from like a coffee shop or anything i just was mm -hmm. just what i was making for dinner or a good cookie recipe that i just made um those I would do a lot of cooking on the weekends and then kind of have like a schedule of, you know, when I would be posting those based mm -hmm. off of, you know, whether it's a holiday or um, there's an app called Plan where you can say if you have like six mm -hmm. photos, um, you can see them. You can kind of arrange them to see like what photo looks good to the next post. Okay, for so, this for Instagram. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, if you're like, okay, well, if I post these three in a row, like they don't really look good together. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just 
again, it's it's about the photo individually, but it's also about the feed too. Like when people visit your profile and like you see the feed, like you want it to be like pretty, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, using plan to, it's plan with two ends and just kind of like clicking and dragging and seeing what mm-hmm. photos look good next to each other. Yep. And then again, finding a sweet spot for a time of posting. Um, and okay. I've found that if I post at like between... 7.30 and 7.40 in the morning, mm-hmm. my photo gets probably a third more likes than it would if I were to post it at 10. You know, just because if you think about it, if, okay. if during the week this is, um, whereas yeah, on Saturdays week, and Sundays, weekday, su- weekday yep. work um, I'm get out for my workout class right at 7.30 and I just hit post. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I'm sitting there creating it on the fly and like, trying to tag everything, like I'll prep it the night before. That way when I do step out of my class, like I literally just hit post. Mm -hmm. Um, So with prepping it, that means, you know, tagging all the accounts in hopes of being reposted because I feel like that's how you can gain followers that way. Um, And then also hashtags. So hashtag has been great because Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if people know this, but you can actually follow hashtags on Instagram. So um, you know, you can yep. follow DC food blogger or DMV foodie or just different hashtags on Instagram mm-hmm. that other people with, you know, looking for that kind of content, you, if they don't necessarily follow you, but they follow that hashtag, you could be featured on their feed and then they could, if they like what they see, come to your feed and mm-hmm. follow you in hopes of, you know, like that's, that's a hope. Yeah. And then, ha- yeah, there's like a top section, a recent section within the hashtag. Right. Yeah. Yep. So, um, I believe the number is 30 that Instagram allows you to, um, hashtag. So okay. I think maximizing, it's like they give you 30, you might as well use all 30. Um, there's so much like, I've heard so many different strategies with that and like, yeah. it was different than it is today versus what a year ago. Uh-huh. Like what's your how have you seen it like the posting, hashtag, the tagging? How have you seen that evolve? Um or like so I think with tagging, um I don't know if I don't know if brands are creating more of their own content. I feel like a year ago brands were constantly sharing like or reposting others others' accounts. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's maybe this is just food and maybe this is just the food um, accounts that I follow, maybe I'm just not seeing it anymore. Yeah. But uh, my first observation was just like, I don't, I don't know if brands are necessarily reposting original content from creators, yeah. whether they're, um, and then giving credit to that photographer. You know, I think sometimes brands are creating their own content and mm-hmm. then posting it to their feed, and that's that. Um, or even like now the real estate is different instead of going straight as a post, now they could re. Uh, they could repost it on a story. Right. Which is way more temporary and it feels like yeah. less valuable real estate. Uh-huh. If I'm if you kind of follow the analogy that it's like Yeah. If they were to do a repost on on your stuff. Say like well, let's mm-hmm. say like Siete Chips. You tag Siete Chips. Right. And instead of them reposting it as a post where they repost it as a story. Exactly. As a story. And so it's not as permanent and like right. it's still like if you were to go visit their page weeks later It's not gonna be there. Yeah, your content it's all. It's just their original content on there. Yeah. So, so um, I think that's a good point too. With people, I think being, I've seen a lot more recently, like Follow Fridays and stuff, like people sharing their most, like mm-hmm. their favorite accounts and stuff. But on my account, and I've contacted Instagram. I'm like a loser, and emailed Instagram. Was like, listen, this this feature isn't working for me. Like, I need it to work. <laughs> um, I can't share a post in my story. And have so like if I were to share a post in my story, like you can't click on it to have it go to that post. I have to take a screenshot, okay, and post it to my story. If that makes sense. Yes, I've noticed that. That's like you want to click on it, like oh, I want to see yeah. who, who's fo- who took this photo, right? Yep. So like can't do it with people doing follow Fridays. Like if I were to able if I were to post, you know, five of my favorite accounts and be like, oh, like um, this chicken parb recipe from Girl with Iron Cast, like. Sh- I can't, she doesn't really get that much Mm -hmm. credit to it because my followers can't necessarily click into it and then go to her account. They could click her name, but people are less apt to be like, oh, like, let me explore like this, this handle. Mm -hmm. um, If it's not clickable, like people are just lazy, you know? So if they can't click on it immediately, they just forget about it. Mm -hmm. Um, So in turn, I feel like because I can't share other people's content, like I would love to, 
mention my favorite accounts and that kind of stuff. But I feel like in return, like maybe my account isn't being mentioned because I can't share that. You know, does that make sense? Yes. And then uh, hashtags, you use 30. I've heard people use 10 or I've heard people like people talk about hashtags like don't use them because if you use too many, you look like this. And yeah, it's like, I think or it's sometimes like, like I just get lazy and I just um, I think I max out sometimes at just like 20. Like I mm-hmm. I like for like I get to a point where I can't even come up with any more that I would use that would be relevant because yeah. if I'm posting a picture of um, like cauliflower gnocchi, I don't want to say like hashtag baked good or hashtag chocolate chip cookies like because it's just yeah. it's irrelevant vegan life oh, right yeah. yeah uh but it's like um have you like how because it's because people like they see hashtags they don't quite understand it's like it's used as a search it's used as like right. you're getting like into that search term yeah it's very much like think google seo like the more hashtags you put on a post the more it's going to be seen right in that category yeah um if I think the debate has been like, if you put too many, does like Instagram punish you, or if you put like a tasteful amount of hashtags? I've a, I feel like six months ago, I don't know. If, I think it was more than just my account noticing this because I was talking with other people about this. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were tagging too many accounts, trying to be reposted by all these, it right. was you know you. I think you can tag up to twenty maybe, mm-hmm. um, but. Yeah, I think it was like, you know, you can't... Because it's like, it's a little bit spammy to some degree. Yes. It's like, or at the beginning like that when it was 20 tags, that's t- like, you don't, you're not, like, you're not tagging that many people for that post. It's like, it's clearly you're spamming people. Right, right. Yeah. Maybe we can talk about Instagram and its connection to your website. Yeah. So like, is that, how do you, because some people use that as like a top of funnel. Some people use that as like... Just it gets more eyes on Instagram and people go to your website. Yeah. So the- um, with just starting the website in general, I um, got the help from Food Blogger Pro just to mm-hmm. get the basics down on um, like creating the website and making sure, you know, the I'm not a coder by any means. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm an accountant. Like I don't know. I'm not a techie person. So just having someone walk me through the basics on how to get a website up and running, mm-hmm. um, that's been so helpful. And also having um, someone help me with my Pinterest and that I feel like that gives me so much traffic um, like into into the blog itself. Okay. And when you say people help you with Pinterest, what do you mean? So I have a girl basically that I give my login information to and mm-hmm. she just runs with it. With follower counts, first and foremost, um, I'm like very um, – hopeful that I'll get to 10,000 eventually just because with that you get the ability to have like the the swipe up feature which means if I post something in my story if I'm posting a picture of a recipe that I've made that has um, a blog post about it or just you can find the recipe and print it out and what have you um, you have to get 10,000 followers to be able to do that so for me if I'm trying to make ad revenue off of my blog but I can't get the eyeballs onto my blog because, you know, whether it's low traffic of me not being good about SEO, which means just making sure that you build your um, build your post to have Google like it essentially. You know, like are you putting the right words in there? Are you putting the right keyword, the, num- the right amount of keywords in there um, for Google to push that up in the search bar? Um but yeah, so I'm hoping that I'll get to 10K eventually just because, again, like the swipe up feature would be incredible for just traffic in general. But in the meantime, I'm trying to focus on Pinterest. And as a consumer, I love Pinterest. Like like I started out saying, I loved just kind of scrolling through and getting inspiration and stuff from that. But at the same time, there's so much strategy behind there behind um that in general and just you know when to post and like you know what to repost and how to make pin boards and what group community pin boards you can be a part of and there's so much lingo that I have no idea what I'm talking about with it so I have a girl that helps me out that she, I give her all of my login information and she kind of just runs with it like, like your Pinterest assistant exactly yeah and it's like because that's something that I don't have any 
interest in the short term of learning because I'm more so focused on, you know, the Instagram aspect of it and trying to build my blog and the website. Um, so I think one of the first tips within Food Blogger Pro that I got, again, after building my website and stuff was sometimes you kind of just need to write a list of things that you don't like doing and sometimes get someone else to do it for you, you know? And so I didn't like figuring out Pinterest, but I saw the value in it behind it and how that could, you know, bring traffic into the blog and Instagram and stuff. So I got a girl, Sarah, Sarah's great. Um, <laughs> and she's been helping me out with my Pinterest. Nice. So let's, uh, so where do you want this all to go? Do you want, like, you want to gain more followers? Like what, um, what's like, what's the so be it's, it's, best case scenario three years, four years from now? Um, so best case scenario I would say would be, I think best case scenario has changed within the last like three months because I've started to realize how much I enjoy going to restaurants and photographing their food and being able to recommend certain things to people. You know, like when people text me and it's like, hey, like what's a, what's a great restaurant in DC? And I have a whole arsenal of like, well, if you want Italian, I would go here. If you want this, I would go there. Just good recommendations. And that's from me being invited to certain, whether it's, you know, a menu launch or a happy hour just to kind of promote some one specific menu item or, you know, just getting a bunch of different DC food bloggers in general to promote this restaurant in general. Um, so I think three months ago, I would I wouldn't even think that restaurant photography would be like in that category. Um, but I feel like being able to kind of run with that would be amazing and see where that goes. And, you know, maybe once I get my hands on a actual camera, learn how to use it really and edit photos that much better on a computer instead of just doing everything on my phone. Um, I think it'd be fun to kind of get into the food photography business and like restaurants, but that also takes me away from recipe development and, you know, doing what I love at the core, you know, which is making food, bringing people together and baking, you know? So, um, I don't know. I think it's hard to say right now just because I'm at a crossroad, not, a, not that I'm at a crossroads cause I, it's not like I need to decide. Um, but there's so many things that I do like about the Instagram and, you know, the blogging world that I think I'm in the mentality of it's a marathon, not a sprint to figure that out. So, um, for the time being, I'm enjoying, you know, baking, baking using real sugar sometimes and real butter and um, making Whole30 dinners and also going and shooting at restaurants. So mm -hmm. it's a whole mix of things. Yeah, it's like it's your personal brand. It's like it's it's going to evolve because your interests evolve. So yeah, it would be like, I don't think it'd feel totally authentic if you just were to be. Right, and I, I feel subject. like I'm a very scatterbrained person to begin with. So like, yeah. I think it would be, it wouldn't be authentic of me to say like, oh, like I just see myself doing this one thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would always, I grew up and I, to this day, I say that I, one day I'll own my own like bakery or I'll own my own, you know, sandwich shop or just really good lunch spot in Jersey. Um, I feel like I'll see myself move back home eventually. Um, and for the longest time I worked and I still to this day work over holidays, Thanksgiving and Christmas, um, worked at a bakery in Atlantic Highlands, New Jersey, shout out to the flaky tart. They make the best th desserts, cakes, croissants, everything. Um, so if they're ever looking to sell one day, that would be <laughs> good opportunity for me to slide in. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like that bakery will always like have a special place in my heart because that's, the place where I learned, you know, the basics behind like them making the cheesecakes and kind of seeing behind the scenes of the mass production of all the cookies and the customer service. And I feel like that to me was some of the funnest, one of the, one of the most important parts during the whole process is why I go back to them or at Thanksgiving and Christmas is to see the customers year to year, you know? Um, and again, seeing people, the same customers come in and have the same stories of, oh, like I use this Yule log as my centerpiece at Christmas. And um, I'll never forget this one guy came in on Christmas Eve and he comes in frantic 
and is like, okay, I am going to my wife's or fiance at the times, um, family's dinner. And I'm, my job is to bring dessert. Like, what do you got? Like, I need to, he was like, so frantic. He's like, I need to impress them. It's my first time there. Um, like I just, I'm, I'm becoming a part of the family. Like, what do I do? So I'm like, all right, like, what do, like, what do we, how many people, you know, are they chocolate people? You know, would they want a fruit thing? Um, so together we came up with what he would bring. And the following year he came back, he's like, oh my God, it was a hit. That's going to be a staple at our Christmas from now on. And like, to me, that is what it's all about. You know, it's just like, again, having some sort of connection to a cake, as stupid as that sounds. Um, so for me, I think it's always been about just like community and, you know, that's what I see in my Instagram and what I see in the blog and what I see in people, um, you know, responding to me saying that they shared this appetizer at their Super Bowl party or whatever. Um, so I think as long as there's always an aspect of community and kind of um, and good food, I'll be there. <laughs> nice. That was awesome. Um, okay, we'll wrap with this. Top five, top three marketing branding tips that you have for uh, young bloggers or people looking to get into sure blogging game. Um, I would say be authentic. Um, you know, you want to be able to be the person. If if I were, people were to run into me in, on the streets, you know, and recognize my face from my stories from me making dinner after work. Um, you know, I feel like you want to be approachable and just again show people that it's not that hard. You know, I'm not I'm not a special person to be able to make all this food. Like it's 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 very simple. You know, so I think just to kind of be authentic and you know prove to people it's not hard. Um, two, I would say, and I'm guilty of not doing this recently, just because I've started a new, uh, recently started a new job and I'm kind of focusing on that, but. I think consistency is key with um, anything, you know, and I think especially Instagram posting, you know, Instagram likes people who post every single day at the same time, you know, because that's when your photos get shown to more eyeballs. Um, So I've seen, you know, if I don't, if I take five days off from posting, the next photo I post gets very, very little engagement, which like I, I used to take to heart and get like upset about, and that sounds so silly, but like get like frustrated about, but, um, to me, as long as, you know, I'm, I still want to have fun with it. So again, if I'm taking a, like a break from Instagram, just because I have other things in life, you know, going on, um, you know, I feel like the whole Instagram thing is going to come in seasons for me. Like there's going to be times where when I first started, I was posting twice a day, you know? So now I'm like, okay, well, if I post five times a week, that's, pretty good, you know? So I think be consistent. And then with that, people come back and, um, you know, they expect certain content, you know, cause there's certain accounts that I find myself as a consumer of content checking, being like, Oh, like I know she posts in the morning. Like what is she going to post today? So, um, I think that kind of goes into, you know, being, being the account that you like to consume. So, you know, if, you're not if you're not the type of person to who engages well with stories maybe posting on stories isn't the thing for you cuz that you're not going to be authentic doing it you know like if you're someone who is following hashtags you know maybe that to you might mean having to post more hashtags on your account you know so it's taking taking stuff out of you know your brain and how you consume content and applying that to how you produce content, I think is really important because again, I think people can kind of read through people that aren't authentic on their channels. Yeah. And I think it could seem manufactured. Right. Those, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I think also as cheesy as it might sound, as soon as it's not fun anymore, like I feel like that's when I feel find myself taking a break from it because at the end of the day, this is all fun. You know, I enjoy, sharing what I eat or enjoying sharing a, a cool restaurant that just opened up or a really good deal on happy hours around town. Just little things like that is fun. But then once you get, you know, frustrated of, oh, well, um, my, my photo isn't getting much likes or it's just like it's it takes the fun out of it, you know. So you want to just at the core of it, just realize that at the end of the day, this is all fun um, and just make sure that that's always what it's about. Maybe as we're wrapping up, 
your favorite accounts that we can follow kind of like in parallel with you as well to kind of like yeah. to get an idea of where you're getting inspired so yeah. we can kind of see. So favorite food accounts that I love are um, Rachel Mansfield. She's actually coming out with a book in, I believe it's February 2020 um, of like all of her recipes and stuff. So for her, I follow her for all of her um, paleo and just simple ingredient baked goods. Because to me, I've always been – Baking has always been my passion, but to be able to apply a mindset of mindful and simple ingredients with baking instead of, you know, baking doesn't always have to have all the butter and all the sugar and stuff. Like there's a time and a place for that, but I think having her recipes as inspiration has been a game changer and just like, okay, like making, you know, really, really good uh, banana bread or she's really known for her banana bread um, or just uh, – good pancake recipe and that kind of stuff. Um, so for rest for desserts, Rachel's my girl. Then, um, Alex, the, the defined dish, she has some of the best, just like I was saying before, just good recipes that prove to you that you can use simple, good for you ingredients and still make a flavorful, like really, really good dish. Um, and then one of my, it's funny to say friends, but you, through doing this Instagram thing, you definitely come to have people that you follow all the time or, you know, you're always commenting on each other's stuff. And it's like, I feel like I have like an internet friends, you know, which is like kind of funny. Um, but girl with the iron cast, she is another one who posts stories to her video or post videos to her stories of what she's making. And it just brings the dish to life, you know, just of what, again, seeing behind the scenes of how she's making it. And again, it's a make, she makes it approachable. All of her food looks so good. She posted, um, one of her things she posts is her, um, chicken barm sandwiches that, uh, her boyfriend is obsessed with and they look so good every time she makes it. So whenever she posts those, I'm like drooling on the other end. Um, so yeah, so those are some really good accounts and, um, if you're in DC, um, you know, cause like I said, I was trying, to, I feel like I'm trying to insert myself into some, um, you know, restaurant blogging and that kind of stuff. Um, hungry, hungry Hanley, we actually work together in the corporate world. So it's funny that, you know, like we work together during the day, but then we would, you know, dip out at work and go to a blogging event together. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Nice. Yeah. Awesome, Blair. Well, where can we find your stuff? Where can we find your yeah. accounts, websites, all that? Um, so you can find me at Miss Finger Foodie, and it's M-I-S-S, not M-S. Um, and then same thing with website, MissFingerFoodie.com. It's Foodie I-E or what? Foodie I-E, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for being on the show. Thank this you is- for having me. This has been fun. Okay, so that was Blair from the account Miss Finger Foodie. If you want to go find her on Instagram, it's at Miss Finger Foodie. Yeah, if you're looking for just like simple recipes, awesome places to eat around D.C., go check out her Instagram account. Her website is the same. It's MissFingerFoodie.com. Go check it out. Uh, Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Leave a rating. One star, two star, three, four, five star, whatever you feel like. Leave a rating on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening to the Jordan P. Anderson Podcast. If you want to listen to some previous episodes, if you're on Apple Podcasts, if you're on Overcast, Spotify, uh, just go to the Backlog Week. This was, I think, was episode nine of this season so there's plenty more plenty more coming up yeah we'll see you next week